0: dive into the message, Life, Money, and Hope. I, I'm excited to kick off this series. Um, you know, it's it's important to me that we address topics and um, subjects that impact our everyday life. Like, uh, and, and we always do, but I think this is probably going to be one of the most practical financial messages that you're going to hear. Because we've all heard the tithe and the generosity and all those things, and they're great. And I'm going to even talk a little bit about it in the series. But there's so much more to money than just one thing. Um, You know, there's debt. How do we manage it? What are the principles of money? And what you have to realize is anything that Uh, almost everything the world has originally came from God, if it works. Uh, They didn't say it came from the Bible, but there are principles that the world uses all the time. In fact, they're getting rich off of that were 100% found in the Bible. They're God's principles. So you don't have to be a believer for the principle to actually work. It's a principle. It works. Um, And and I think for me, my big... um, assignment is to help you see God's perspective on money. You know, if you were in a financial seminar, they could say whatever, but you came to church. So you came to church because you want to know what God says. Why? Because, you know, if God says it, then it's going to work. Um, I'm not up here trying to, uh, I don't have an agenda. You know what my agenda is? It's for you to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus and that the blessing of God would chase your life. And I think sometimes it's money. But listen, I've tithed, and there's been times where I lived on manna. So I'm not going to tell you. Somebody said, well, I would tithe and have the windows of heaven. Yeah, well, how was your marriage? Well, wow, man, God was blessing it. Well, the windows of heaven encompass every area of your life. Um, and so if God never gave me another thing, I'm still going to follow his principles because I'm a devout follower of Jesus. Um, and I just want you to know that this is, if you'll open your heart, I really believe I'm going to teach you some things. Uh, some of you may be a reminder, refresher, but for others, it really is biblical advice on how to manage your money. Did you realize that more than 50% of marriages uh, end in divorce and it's because of money issues? money problems, that Americans are drowning in debt. Um, it's, it's a struggle for Americans to, to even make it. The statistics are staggering, and yet God has a way that if we'll follow his principles, we can live in a different way than the world lives. Look, I, w- I want the world to see a church that's debt-free, that operates in such a way that there's surplus. You shouldn't be broke your whole life. Uh, That we ought to be investing in uh, things that God is investing in. We ought to have money to bless people. Someone said, well, it ain't about money. Well, yes and no. Well, it ain't about money. But without money, we couldn't have bought this building. (laughs) Look, $7.3 million don't just happen to show up. Like at the end of the day, it took money to buy a building, to resources. Build it takes money. Those pastors—that's thirty-five hundred dollars to do the pastors' conference. But guess what? There's a thousand pastors in Pakistan. Pastors, look—you impact pastors. You're going to impact that whole region. Well, how do you do it? You got to have resources. So God doesn't want you to be broke. God wants you to be blessed. And listen, God is not worried about a recession and he's not worried about what's happening in the economy. God's principles supersede natural law. And that's the beauty of what we live in. Listen, it's impossible to buy and rehab a building in the middle of COVID. But look at what God has done in the middle of a pandemic. This pandemic could not quarantine your generosity and God did what was impossible and I want to stir you up. I want to give you hope and help you see God's way is better. Now 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 and 10, it's going to be our theme verse for this series. Um, and we find many of us especially as you start your Christian faith this is where you'll find yourself because you are operating not in God's principles, but in the world's. And look at what it says in verse nine: People who want to get rich fall into temptation. What does that mean? People that have the wrong perspective on money. What happens? You fall into temptation. How I many, as a young adult, you fell into the get-rich-quick schemes? Anybody? Oh, nobody. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Max. I got a few honest people. How I many you know you're like, man, how many ever did one of those pyramid schemes where you're like, oh, because you're gonna you're gonna get rich quick, and it, it always it, it never turns out right. Never turns out well. There's this temptation that happens, and it's a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Then look at what verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now does it say that money is evil? No. No. Money's not evil, money's neutral. It's the spirit that's on the money. It's the person who's investing the money. Like that's why when you submit your tithe to God, you're giving back to Him what already belongs. My money is submitted, the spirit of God is on my money. Unsubmitted money has the spirit of mammon, the spirit of this world. And so we understand that it's not money that's bad. It's the love of money. It's like, that's my driving forth. look, it produces all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money. Look at what has happened. And this is my greatest desire to keep you from. Look, it says they have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Listen, the love of money calls people to wander from the faith. Yeah. Isn't that funny? You could teach me everything, pastor, but don't talk about my money. And yet God is saying this is one of the few things that actually can cause apostasy, a turning away from the faith. And yet pastors are afraid to talk, about. I ain't afraid to talk about it. What are you going to do? Are you going to leave? Okay. Cool, I'm going to raise up disciples that understand how to deal with money. We're going to be a church where it's like, man, we're going to talk about everything. It's the full counsel of God. And I'm telling you what, we're not going to wander from the faith. We're going to excel in our faith. We're going to see money for what it is. It's a tool to advance God's kingdom. That there would be a transfer of wealth out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. Why? Because we want to advance God's kingdom. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. amen. So it's a way out series. I don't want you to be pierced with griefs. I want you to learn how to manage your money. I want you to learn how to be a good steward. What I've learned and one of the things I teach the staff, and you guys have heard this often, we believe in excellence without extravagance. The thing's excellent. But listen, we're going to find ways to save money. We're going to be frugal and not be cheap. I mean, oh, there's a difference. Someone said, well, what's the difference, Pastor? Well, cheap is McDonald's. Oh, y'all didn't think it was somebody like, I like McDonald's. Well, good. You like McDonald's all you want. Not me. Not me. No, 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 no. No, see I, see, I like like Texas Roadhouse. Come on, I want some real food. You know what I mean? So I tell my kids, you know, at the end of the day, it, here's how, this is, this is what frugal is. We go to Texas Roadhouse, and so we'll share meals, and we don't get soft drinks. Why? Because soft drinks are $2.95 each. So I got six kids. That's 20 bucks. That's $20. You know, so they say, well, we just, we want drinks. So I said, no, 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 we're going to drink water. Why? Because we're in at Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> and that lets us eat more here at Texas Roadhouse. You want a soft drink? Then we'll go out to McDonald's and you can get a dollar menu item and get you a soft drink. Frugal, but not cheap. That's free. I didn't even, that, that ain't even in my notes. When you talk about money, there's really five areas that financial planners will talk about, and you've got to learn these areas, and so let me just tell you this. You need to be able to manage your money in the natural. Like Money doesn't grow on trees, and just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you now know how to manage money. Uh, one of the things, I, growing up, my twin brother and I, we were uh, we grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, so... We've always started businesses. My dad started a restaurant. Steve and I had a t-shirt company, at like 16 gold plating business for cars. You remember when they used to decal the cars in those gold, 24 karat gold plating? I mean, remember that? It was like, that was the thing. My emblems were gold and all that. So we did that. And, uh, you know, we started buying real estate. And then by the 24, I had a restaurant. My my family, they owned restaurants. And so we were always in this entrepreneurial atmosphere of launching things and building things. But just because I was an entrepreneur, didn't know. I, I mean, I knew how to manage money. There were multiple times I almost lost the business. Um, one was through 9-11. If you guys remember that, it was a lot like the pandemic. Everything just shut down uh, whenever we were attacked uh, in New York, the World Trade Centers. The other one was I just managed, mismanaged money. Lots of money coming in and not managing it. Lots of money going out. How I mean, no, you'll go broke if you spend more than you make. I learned that. <laughs> so there were some lessons that I've had to learn, and they've helped me to manage this church. We live in margin. Uh, We budget each year based on 90% of the previous year's income so that every year as we grow, the margin grows. That's how we've been able to do what we do here. We never overspend. We work hard uh, to be able to invest money. And I tell the staff all the time, I believe God blesses you more when you are diligent with his money, the the better you account for the money. So so we're constantly saying, hey, how many subscriptions do we have? Are Are we making sure that they all line up? We're not paying for Zoom here and zoom here and zoom there are we we got one that, like it's really important because you can say god bless me and yet money is just trickling out of your house he's not going to bless what you don't manage so but there's five areas the first one is earnings your ability to bring in money so you're going to get a job you're going to launch a business like that's important you got to know you've got to bring revenue into your life the second thing is spending This is the ability uh, to spend what you make, and the goal is to be frugal and to be wise with spending. Come on, how many you know that? Like, I want to invest and spend on things that are going to have some kind of a return in my life. Look, I love the new, what is it, iPhone 27 that just came out? (laughs) Look, you got the iPhone 26. Why would you try to upgrade? You know, what is this, 13? So you got the 12, but you're like, I got to have it. I got to have it. No, no, no. You ain't got to have nothing. No, save that twelve to fifteen hundred dollars that they get. Oh, but I only pay a little bit every month. Yeah, I know, that's even worse because you don't even realize that's just being stolen out of your life because they got to have the latest and greatest. Savings is another area. This is your ability to produce a surplus in your life. You know, Dave Ramsey talks about making sure you have an emergency fund of $1,000 and then at least three months of your expenses in a savings account. It's really important that you're building the savings account and then investing, This is where it gets fun. This is where you have margin enough to invest in things that make money. The goal of investing is not working for money, but that your money works for you. That's where it gets really fun. When you say, oh man, I got income coming in and I'm investing. You know, Phyllis and I now, we have real estate properties and that's where we're at. We got goals. Listen, this church, my goal is to give a million dollar check. I'm going to write a million dollar check to this church. That's my goal in life. It was so funny growing up. I always had a dream since I was a teenager, my mom will tell you, is I wanted to be a millionaire by the age of 35, and I was on my way. We had businesses, and and lo and behold, isn't it funny? The one thing I told God I would never do is pastor. I don't even know why that came out of my mouth. Somehow, Phyllis and I, I'm like, I'd never pastor. Could you imagine seeing the same people, being in the same place? I want to travel. I want to... And you know what's funny now? I, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to pastor this church. I want to love this church. I want to develop disciples in this church. But my goal was to be a millionaire. And then lo and behold, at 35, we launched this church. Isn't God funny? Now, I'm not going to make you rich in money. I'm going to make you rich in souls. And, uh, but I still have that entrepreneurial spirit where it's like, God, I'm still going to fund your kingdom. Listen, you got to remember what we give in this earth, it, God talks about treasures in heaven. Like, man, we I want to be a part of it. I'm a, I'm a legacy giver. And then the, that's the fifth portion of what the area they'll talk about and coach you on developing. Uh, and that's your giving. This is where you give to nonprofits, you give to charities, you give to your church. Um, did you know that Christians on average give 3.8% to the charities, not even their church, just charities. Imagine that. That's the national average for for Christians. Uh, The world's average on charity is 3%. So we're doing about 0.8% better than the world. Isn't that a tragedy? how that God said, hey, this is a system that I set up and we don't look much different than the world. Um, and and I'm, I want to challenge us to say, God, what are your principles? What do you want me to live by? And then do what God says and see how God will radically change your life. It's an amazing thing. Now, I want to go beyond this because we could study this. You've got seminars, um, so, so many great resources out there to learn about those things. I want to teach you for the next few minutes principles that God talks about in these areas that the world won't talk about but that I'm called to talk about. So it's a biblical perspective in each of these areas because we know that that it's more than just natural. There's a supernatural. That natural principles are good, but supernatural principles, God's principle, biblical principles are what allow us to operate in a greater capacity, a higher way than the world. And look, God's ways don't always make sense. Look at Haggai um, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. You know, when you look at, this is what I'm about to share with you. won't always make sense to people who are not believers because they're not trying to look through it through the eyes of God. And so I want to take you through some things of what God said. Look, it says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Everybody say Thought. How many times have you ever sat down and thought about what you did that day? Most people don't. I'll never forget. It's a, it's a practice that I work on. I don't do it as enough, but I work really hard. I used to have this, this card in front of a chair and it says, sit down and think about your day. We're so busy. You, you watch Netflix, the last minute of your day, you watch a series, you do, but you never thought about what did I do today? Was it fruitful? Was it productive? Did God do anything in my life? Did I operate in God's kingdom or in the world's kingdom? What what have I done? So he's saying, listen, I want you to just take some time. I want you to think about what you're doing. It says you have planted much, but you harvested little. A lot of work. You're sowing, you're planting, but you didn't harvest a whole lot. It says you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put it in a purse with holes in it. I wonder if that's not some of our life theme right there. Where did all my money go? If you feel like that, man, I just feel like I can't hold on. Like it's, this is what he says. This, I want you to give careful thought to your ways. So could it be that there's a higher way? Could it be there's a better way? Could it be that God's way is different? And if we do it God's way, we're not going to look like what the world looks like. And again, it's not always going to make sense. First Corinthians 1.20, it says, where is the wise man? What's that? That's, that's the one who's that financial smart guy. Come on. Where's, where's the smart guy in the finances? Where's the scholar Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Why are you saying this? Because it's important. You may look at some of these principles I'm going to share with you and say, that's dumb. I wouldn't do that. Well, okay, go back. Consider your ways. Have you been planting a lot but not harvesting? Have you been eating a knotful? Do you feel like you got holes in your purse so you need to consider it? Just think about it, ponder it. I'm gonna help us live beyond the numbers, beyond the way the world teaches us. So the world talks about earning. So here's what the world says, earn more money. And yes, you got to have a living. So I'm not saying, look, you got to have a life. You got to have a living. I'm not talking about that. I'm addressing the the desire in your heart to earn more regardless of what it takes, regardless if you have to move away from the church that God planted you in, regardless of if you have to work on Sundays. I know I met somebody said, well, I got to have a job. Hey, listen, I get it. People will come and say, hey, pastor, you know, I'd serve more. I'd be there more. But my job has taken me out on Sundays. And you know, here's my answer. I'll tell every one of you. I'd find another job or I'd ask them off on Sundays. Wow. Well, but, God, but, but pastor, I need income. No, 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 no. Income outside of God's principles will never be fruitful. And what we allow is that the world to dictate how your life is ran. No, no, I serve God. I got to be on the house of God with the people of God so I can live the life God's called me to live. Oh, but you don't understand this. No, no. So that means your job is your source, not God. I just believe that God wants that on a Sunday. In our restaurant, we closed on Sundays way before it was like Chick-fil-A was popular back then. It was like everybody was open on Sundays and we just we made it. In fact, I'll tell you, we had made a decision to open up on Sundays and business got worse. And the Lord really spoke to me, and that's when I had my conversion experience, and I felt the Lord gave me five things to do and spoke to me specifically. One of them was to shut down on Sundays, and I'm like, but there's not enough business. And he said, are you going to trust me? We did it. The restaurant exploded, lines out the door, waiting all the way into the parking lot on Friday and Saturday nights. I'm telling you, life is the same thing. You're just holding on to that job like it's everything. God is your source, not that employer. Some of you got two and three jobs and I get it. You're trying to provide, but you're so exhausted. You can't live out the calling God has in your life. So you got to say, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? So, so look, earnings is important, but calling is more important. So there's a calling versus compensation. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the tasks the Lord Jesus has given me. So Paul's saying, listen, I don't I don't care about anything except for the calling that is in my life. That's where you discover how God made you, and then you go and do what God created you to do. Sometimes your career and calling line up, and that's awesome. That's where God, what you put on the inside of me is what I'm doing, and I'm compensated for it, and that's amazing. But, uh, but others, and I would even say many of you, you got a job that doesn't fulfill you. You got a job that doesn't make you come alive, and it's what you've got to do. Listen, that's awesome. Let it be your mission field, but my question is, where are you walking in your calling? You need to come and get plugged in and come alive with purpose with people that are making a difference. That's what we love about the dream team. Is that I'm alive with the calling of God on the inside of me, fulfilling the purpose that God has placed on the inside. Of me. yeah. I, I, I struggled with this when we first went into full-time ministry. Um, Phyllis and I, we, we owned the restaurant. We had uh, multiple properties, me and Steve and Steph and Phyllis. We all owned the properties. Steve had moved to Houston, and Phyllis and I were still back where we were at managing all these things. Well, through a series of events, our life situation changed. And uh, God began to move and stir us in different ways. And uh, we were trying to figure out what's the next move. Phyllis and I go on a mission trip. Uh, we went to Peru. We're in a boat on the Amazon River in Iquitos. Um, and here we are talking to a lady who offers me a position or to interview for a position at a ministry. Had no idea that God was about to move our life into full-time ministry. I didn't know what we were going to do. I thought we were going to go open another business, maybe go do another restaurant. There were options for us. We were just saying, okay, God, whatever you want us to do. But here we are. We had some time, went on a mission trip, and God begins to move our life into a place of full-time ministry. I got excited. I'm like, woo! Woo! Awesome! So I go interview just places in Lindell, Texas. How many of have ever heard of Lindale, Texas? Yeah, like one. <laughs> Population, 800 people and about a thousand cows. Tyler, Texas is the big metropolis. We had to drive 30 minutes to a Walmart, y'all. Yeah. See, that country came back out in me. Here we were in this, and so so I'm going. I'll never forget. I did the interview, and I said, okay, cool. How much was it? Twenty four thousand dollars a year. Look, back then that was poverty. Twenty four. Like we have been. So I'm like, okay, I had all this. That's the offer, and then we're in the sticks. And I'll never forget. I literally was driving. I'll never forget. Hey, I'm not going to do this. That's ridiculous. Number one, we can't live on twenty four thousand dollars a year. And number two, have you seen this place? It is in the middle of the sticks. Like I cannot live in the country. And I never forget, I felt the Lord say, are you going to go where the money is or where I'm sending you? And Phyllis and I had a decision. She said, how are we going to make it? I said, I don't know. This was the first time in our life where we made a move not knowing how the budget would line up. And I'm a budget guy. Listen, I I, I know where it's at. I want to make sure all the money's coming in. And for years, it never made sense. I stopped doing the budget. Anybody ever been in that place? You're like, I just, it doesn't even make sense. But every year we were about to have a baby. I went and spoke somewhere and a lady walked up and said, the Lord told me to give you this money, gave us the money that we needed to put down for our son, Caden, over in uh, Tyler, Texas. And that's how our life was lived for many years. We didn't stay there forever, but it was a sense of God. It's either the calling or the compensation. Some of you have both. You're in your calling and you got compensation Praise God. But there are many of you, you have been letting the compensation lead your calling instead of God's calling lead your compensation. That God, I want to be in the right place, even if it doesn't make sense. You're not going to stand before God and say, wow, you were compensated so well. Awesome. Well done, my good and faithful servant. No, he's going to say, hey, what did you do with the calling? What did you do with the gifts? What did you do with what I put inside of you? And you allow the world to box you in instead of for God to break you out. Some of you have got to be bold and say, God, I'm going to listen to your word. I'm going to take that job that doesn't make sense. I'm going to take a step of faith, a leap of faith. And I promise you this. I would rather miss God trying than miss God doing nothing. But if you live by the world's mentality, it's got to make sense. In, co- no, no, it will ne- I, in fact, I will tell you this. When you step out in God's calling, I would propose it never makes sense. Let me tell you why. Because his calling takes faith. He's not going to give you a step that doesn't take what you have to live in my calling. I got to live in faith. So the step is a step of faith. I just have to know. And listen, I, I'm one of the guys that I'm just so grateful. I got a ride or die wife, my, my honey. She just believes in what we're doing. I never forget. We were going to take the leap. And she said, listen, if we got to live in a cardboard box, baby, I'm going to live in that box with you. We're going to be a happy couple. And we have chased the call of God. Listen, we're going to chase the call of God, not the call of money in our life. And again, listen to me. Some of you are living in both, and that's awesome. But don't ever let compensation lead your calling. We don't just need money to live on. We need something to live for. And that's really what our Next Steps is all about. Uh, Next Steps is a three-week class that we put together because uh, we really believe that God put a purpose inside of each and every one of you. Did you know 87% of Christians who go to church have no idea why God created them and for what purpose they were created? 87% you imagine that? Coming to church, feeling alive, but still feeling like you, you've got more. Have you ever felt like there's more inside of me? God, I, I'm not really being tapped into. There's, there's more inside. How do I get it out? Well, that's why we created this three-week class. We're going to help you uncover it and then give you opportunities and lead you into a place where it's like, hey, maybe this is the right fit. Because here's what we understand is that God He built each one of us. He designed each one of us. And we need every person. We're all interlinked. And the better the body is joined in the right places, the more effective we are in advancing his kingdom and reaching our city and touching the lives of the people God's called us to touch. It happens every Sunday. In fact, tonight is step three, isn't it? Tonight's step three. And so at six o'clock, it happens in the Next Gen uh, auditorium. And I think tonight is engaging in your calling. Uh, we're going to talk about the areas where you come alive with how God designed you. And I'd love for you to join us and be there. It's amazing if you hadn't already done it. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you the second thing uh, that, that we have to recognize. The world talks about spending. That's the area of financial planners will talk about. And I want you to hear what God's says about it. It's contentment versus consumerism. Contentment versus consumerism. Listen, we're going into a Christmas season. Come on. How many love Christmas? How, all right. Let me ask this. How many love Black Friday? <laughs> Woo! Come on. So. Hey, y- y'all lying. Hey y'all, oh. hey, y'all was quiet. I not want pastor. No, I'm in Black Friday. Yeah. Use that over Best Buy like 3 a.m. in the morning. Can't get you get good church at 930 anymore, I (laughs) know. I'm just playing. That's terrible. It's terrible. Here's what you got to be careful of. God's principle is don't allow the consumerism to become a part of who you are. You got to learn to be content. That's what what happens with the iPhone 10, 11, 12. Why do they keep producing it? Because people keep buying it. And it's all about us. It's I want to I want to make sure you're equipped and you get more. No, no, no. Listen, they're trying to get rich. Don't ever deceive yourself. Every business out there, their goal is to make money. If they don't make money, they're not going to exist. And unless it's a Christian business, its focus is to make more money. And that's what they're doing. Every commercial, every ad, it's all about you. But remember, life ain't about me. Life is about God. And so we have to live with this contentment inside of us. Otherwise, you will always spend everything you make on the wrong things. Luke 12, 15. Don't always be wishing. This is what Jesus said. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. There's a value to contentment, a value to understanding what I have. Paul talks about in Philippians chapter four, verse 12, and Eli, you can come on out. I know I got no more notes, but I'm not doing, we're going to run out of time. I want y'all wanting more. So they're going to come on out. uh, Philippians 4, 12, it says, I know what it is to be in need. This is Paul talking. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. Everybody say secret. secret. Say it again, secret. secret. Of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, there is a power to being content. There is a power that says, what I have is enough. See, contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. You think about Paul, well-fed and hungry, good situations and bad situations. He's content, how? Because he realizes how blessed he is. Free or in prison, I'm still free. Figure that one out. Bars or no bars, that doesn't give you freedom. Freedom is a condition of your soul. You can lock me up, you can shut me up, but you can't take away my freedom. Paul understood that. And I think we get into this mentality that what I have is not enough. And the reason is because what you have is not all of God. Because when you have all of God, there is nothing that could ever amount to the greatness, the goodness, (laughs) the fulfilling nature of God in your life. There's a sense. And, and I, I think people say, well, pastor, you, I don't know who you're talking to because I ain't rich. You are rich. Yeah. No, I'm not. Okay. Okay. Did you walk here? Probably not a lot of you walked here. You probably had heat and air conditioning this morning as an option in your car. You probably had running water today. I bet nobody had to get water out of a river in a bucket and pour it over their head today, right? I mean, maybe there's one or two and, hey, God bless you, we'll go help you. I'll never forget. I was in a foreign country. You, you, you don't realize how blessed you are until you've been on a mission trip to a third world country. Everybody ought to go on a mission trip. And uh, you can say, man, I just, I don't have, look, they, they didn't got shoes. You got shoes, right? Right? I, I know you like the new kicks, and my kids, they love all the shoes and the Yeezys and the Yeezy slides and all the. But the deal is, you got, you got shoes on your feet. You're blessed. You got food on your dad. I don't know anybody who missed a meal. I know I ain't missed a meal. You could see it. I ain't missed many meals at all. So you're blessed. And when you look at comparing you against the world, the poorest person here is still in the top 1% of wealth in the world. So let me ask you this. Is that more money going to really satisfy? Is that newer phone going to satisfy you? Is the next thing that you're trying to... How many have ever bought that next thing and it wasn't long where you need another next thing? Why? Because you're not content. Contentment just says, I'm satisfied. God, I'm satisfied. God, I'm satisfied. And I think this is a great place for us this morning. I, I, I feel like there's... As a church there 's got to be this satisfaction of God we find that you 're enough that what I have is enough i 'm not looking for more i 'm just looking for you God I would you feel my heart that many times there 's an insecurity inside of us I want to be like everybody else and this this lacking but god didn 't call us to be lacking i 'm going to pray over you you know as we 're doing this series i kicking it off, I really feel that God is going to shift some of your situations. And I felt something on the calling versus compensation. And I wonder here as we, I just, I just want to pray over us. Some of you, I, and I felt that really strong. I didn't expect that to, some of you, you've been wrestling in your job. Maybe you've made decisions based on finances and it puts your family in a tough spot. Now, here's the challenge. When you're blessed financially and compensated well, you can mask it. You can mask the dysfunction for a little while. But here's the problem with it. He said, remember at the beginning how he's pierced with many sorrows? Sometimes you get compensated so well and don't realize you've been climbing up the ladder that's leaning on the wrong house. And then your marriage has ended in divorce and your family has fallen apart. And and by the time, that's what he's talking about, pierced with many sorrows. I chased after that promotion. I chased after that thing. And I thought it would fulfill me. And for a while, everybody was having fun. Look, money always gives us lots of fun, but I'm not trying to give you fun for a moment. I'm trying to give you fulfillment for a lifetime. And I I don't believe you gotta be poor. Listen, I'm, I'm not poor. Phyllis and I own many, several properties. I'm not poor, and I'm not going to be poor. So don't mistake what I'm talking about. But I can tell you this: if God wants any of this, He can have it. Anything I own, everything I've got, I don't need it, I don't want it, I like it. It's a blessing. But the truth is, it all belongs to God. And here's my strategy. You know, Phyllis and I do real estate. I already told my kids. I said we're, we've got a goal. We've got a certain amount of houses we're buying and doing, and. And uh, one of my kids said, dad, how come you're, you're just buying homes and we've got some other investments. I said, because God always tells me to give all my money away. Yeah. How many you ever feel like that? Like I can't hardly keep a savings account because I feel like God always has me liquidated. We will talk about that a little bit next week. And so I said, the, the homes, I've got a strategy for each of you to get a, whatever it is that I've got for you, but I'm giving all of my money away. By the time I die, you're not going to get money because I'm investing in the kingdom of God. Your legacy will be in the real estate and something that I'm not going to sell. I'll give that to you because I believe in an inheritance. Not too much. It'll ruin them, but enough to bless them. Come on, somebody. But I'm giving all my money away. Are you kidding? Listen, I'm giving everything I got. I want to die broke financially, cash. Because when I step into eternity, come on, somebody, I want the Lord to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, that you have invested well, you have sowed well, you have given well. And listen, I love nice things. We love vacations. That's the splurge we go on as vacations. That's great. God loves it. He gets fulfillment out of it. But there has to be this contentment, a surrendering, and a God, I give it all to you. Now, Father, I pray over you.